let's go ahead and get into the lesson because I know that's why we came here tonight to indulge in the lesson that uh, with the theme here for this month that pastor has given us Christian soldiers in dress and appearance and wouldn't you know it I am in my uniform today that was not my intent it was not my plan but obviously I was supposed to be in uniform tonight so pardon me for that but here you have a visual aid kind of amen Second Timothy chapter two verses three through four. I do. I, I recognize that there is a uh, scripture there that Pastor has, and I was going to use that, but he did encourage us. Uh, he, he did encourage us to come up with our own material. So I made an effort to do that um, without taking away from what he's going to to instruct and teach for the rest of the month. Uh, just some things that stood out to me about this particular theme and topic. So we may not get in depth, but I'll leave that to the pastor when he comes back and whoever else is teaching uh, for this month. But I think we'll scratch the surface um, as we talk about some of this. Second Timothy chapter two, verses three through four. Everybody has it. OK, as always, I'm going to read. Um, so for the purpose of those who may be listening and not able to be here. So there's no dead space. Second Timothy chapter two verses three through four. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Verse four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So right off the bat, we see from the word of God, we know that Christian is a term that is in the scripture, used in the book of Acts, referring to the early church members. They refer to them as Christians, right? Christian, we know, is a follower of Christ. We understand that basic knowledge. So a follower of Christ or Christ-like, and then the term soldiers is also scriptural, referring to us being that spiritual soldier, Christian soldiers. We have been chosen by God. That him is referring to God, even though that H ain't capitalized. That is who it is referring to. So God has chosen us to be his followers, to be engaged in this spiritual warfare, Fighting for him. He has called us to be a part of this spiritual warfare on the good side. Amen. And might I add on the winning side. There's no losing on this side. Christian soldiers in dress and appearance. Now, oftentimes we get excited about all the other things that we talk about and teach about and preach about. You know, all the other great messages that are out there and lessons that are out there. But when we start talking about the dress and appearance, that's when we start losing a lot of people. You'll be amazed at how many people leave church over dress and appearance. 
So, 18, almost 19 years ago, I found myself at the recruiter station and signing a contract so that I can enlist into the United States military. As soon as I got to the basic training area, Paris Island, South Carolina, the only real place to go to get real training for Marines As soon as I got there, aside from being yelled at and telling and forcing us to get off the bus and stand on some yellow footprints, and those of you who have listed in the other branches, I'm pretty sure your experience was pretty much similar to this. You get told all that you get so many orders at once, you don't know which one to follow. But then they begin to put things into perspective for you because they send you through an assembly line where you start getting issued what we know as the military uniforms. You have to bag up all your civilian clothes that you came out with and they get locked away for the duration that you are in that training. Now begins the process. You get your camouflage uniform, whatever they may be, from whatever branch of service. You get boots. You get underclothing. You get even physical training uniforms. And there's no way to confuse it because it has the name written all over so you know what part of the service you're in. So they give you these things. This is what they gave me in the Marine Corps. We called them camis. That was our top and bottoms. We had the black boots at the time, which I think we should go back to. We had the covers. And everything had to be worn a specific way. For the next three months, this is what my attire was either in the camouflage uniform or in the physical training uniform that was it we slept in uniform we trained in uniform we worked out in uniform we were educated in uniform we ate in uniform everything we did was in uniform for three months wow culture shock because my mentality going to basic training was a whole lot different I wear what I want to wear I do what I want to do the way I used to dress was a whole lot different than the way I dress now there's two reasons for that Timberland boots was my attire Baggy jeans, nice long shirt, or maybe sometimes a sweatshirt. I rarely wore polo shirts. And sometimes I would wear a bandana, preferably blue, maybe black. Got my gold chain, had a pierced ear. 
I had a mini afro and sometimes I get it braided. And this is the way I carried myself. <laughs> when I got to basic training, up until that point, I was an individual. I bought it. I wear it. If I look like a bum, I wear it. It's okay. Because it's only reflecting me. That's the mentality I had. Now, realistically, that's not the case. But we'll talk about that in just a moment. After three months of being in uniform, being forced to put on the uniform a certain way, you have to put this on first. They would literally have you lined up on the line and they would tell you, okay, now put this on. They give you, and they do a countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, you're done. And if you didn't have it on, you was going to get drilled. Some kind of way you're going to get some extra physical training. Go back and try it again. Next thing. Go ahead and put it on. So you put your underclothes on. Put your socks on. Put the left sock on now. Ten, nine, eight. Put the right sock on now. Ten, nine, eight. Countdown. This is how they dressed you. You went through this. Through most of your time there at basic training. Until one day. They weren't counting down. They weren't telling you what to put on. How to put the uniform together. Because after all that practice and rehearsing, it became something embedded in your own mind you knew without thinking about it twice to put on the left sock first even though you didn't have to put on the left sock first this was just a matter of making sure that everybody was on the same sheet of music I wonder how many people 18, 19, 20 years later maybe some folks who have retired some folks who have separated find themselves putting on their clothing in the same order that they went through the training. So for three months, this is what you did. But you weren't the only one going through that. There's a point to this. Just laying the groundwork here, right? This was my experience. Finally, people came on board. Everybody had the same uniform on. Everybody looked the same. In fact, it went to the extent that you were able to point out if somebody was out of uniform. Hey, that patch is crooked. He got your patch on the wrong side. Now, to, to anyone that has not been through that process, they can look at the uniform. And it doesn't mean anything if I had... This flag on the other side 
and this patch on the reverse side. If I had these patches crossed, it wouldn't mean anything to the normal person who has never been. But to those of us who have become familiarized, we're able to identify and say, your patches are got to switch your patches around. Hey, the flag is upside down. As Christian soldiers, we have been grafted into God's army. In this army, there are rules and regulations that must be followed. If we desire to experience the benefits of being a Christian, we must ensure that we abide by the ultimate regulation, which is the word of God. The same way in the military, we got regulations to govern how we wear. In fact, the army has a regulation, AR 670-1, that is the wear and appearance of military uniform. Each branch of service has a regulation to govern how that uniform is supposed to look. In fact, they go to the extent of telling you how long your hair can be. Marine Corps regulation used to be from zero to three. Meaning zero down here, and it will progress to three, no longer than three inches on the top of your head. In the army, you can have mustaches, but it has to be, it cannot come past the sides, the side corners of your lip. It can be all up in your nose, but it can, no, but... So they do this. In fact, the Marine Corps had a regulation, I don't know if it's still in effect, but to where even in your civilian clothes, as we call it, you couldn't wear just a white t-shirt. You had to wear a shirt over it. It had to be a shirt that, you know, an outer shirt. Because a t-shirt or a white shirt was considered an undershirt, an undergarment. Remember when that used to be the case? You had to make sure your shirt was tucked in. Make sure you had a belt. This was in their regulation. Gig line, even in your civilian clothes, gig lines had to be straight. So a gig line is generally in the center of your body, right? Where your, where your, what do they call it? So for us men, you have the part where it folds over, where you button or you fasten your, your pants together, and that seam, everything, your shirt line and your, all that had to be aligned. Your belt buckle had to align with that as well. So in civilian clothes as Marines, we still had to do that. We had to make sure all that was good to go. These are part of the rules and regulations to govern how we dressed and to regulate our appearance in the public. 
in this Christian army, we cannot afford to be selective. If you worked a job that had a uniform, when I was working at Winn-Dixie or Pizza Hut, you know, both jobs, they had a uniform. In fact, I worked, I worked at a place in Texas. It was called Whatty Burger. It was a fast food restaurant. For those of you who've been to Texas area, you know about that. What a burger. <laughs> and, and so all those places that I worked at, they had a uniform that you had to wear. When I was working at Winn-Dixie, I had to wear my uniform as a, as a stalker. I had to go and, and, you know, dress a certain way. They had rules and regulations. In fact, when you went to orientation to go for that job, they would tell you what the uniform was and they would tell you a little bit about the policies and so on and so forth. So this is not just a military. I just brought that out because some of us in here are military. But even from the corporate side, we can relate to that. If you went in with the wrong shirt on, you might not have a job after that day. You might not even make it to work that day. They just, don't worry about it. You, you can go home. You good. And don't come back. Because you're out of uniform. Some companies take that seriously. So, if you cannot be selective in your corporate job or whatever job for workforce that you work at, I'm pretty sure they got a dress code or some sort to let you know this is how you ought to appear. This is how you ought to present yourself here. How much more are we as Christians? We cannot afford to be selective when it comes to what the Word of God says about how we should be. The longer we continue to wear the badge of being a Christian, the more we should mature. This means we should become extremely familiar with God's Word, both in knowledge and in action. It is not enough just to know the Word. You know what you're supposed to wear. You know how you're supposed to carry yourself. But a mature Christian is going to act upon what they know. Amen? Now one aspect of our Christian regulation focuses on our dress and appearance. While many may feel that outward appearance is not as significant as what's on the inside, they may find that their actions contradict their claim. Anybody ever heard the term, don't judge a book by its cover? So here's the deal. Here's the excuse, y'all. You heard it. God looks at the inside. He looks at the heart. Yes, he does, Satan. But understand that he also recognizes what's on the outside because here's the deal. When I come in contact with other people, they can't see my heart. The only thing they can see is what? Your 
if you didn't know me, and I walked in this door in this uniform, one thing you would know right off the bat is, right? So obviously appearances do have an impact. On all of us. The corporate society, as I was talking about earlier, values the concept of appearances so much they go to great lengths and sometimes spend a great deal of money in order to paint the most attractive picture. Why? When they're trying to sell, the more enticing the product, the more people will desire it. Car salesmen, what do they do? They make that car look so shiny, they vacuum it out and everything else, but mechanically that car may be about to die. It's just the truth. You won't know until you start test driving and just because you took it around the corner. Right? I always like to use fast food restaurants and I, I'm sorry, I pick on them, but Everybody knows when you go up and look at that menu, especially if you're hungry. Let me tell you something. We, when we come here from Toma, I always see that sign over there close to the exit. It's all to the right, and it's a supermarket. I can't remember which one it is, but it has breakfast food on the billboard. And man, that stuff look good. Now I can eat breakfast five times a day. So when I see that billboard every time we come to church, or we come up here to lacrosse, I always want to stop in, but then something triggers in my mind, it's not ready made like it is on the billboard. I gotta buy it, put it together, and make it. And chances are it's not going to come out like it is on the billboard. You pull up to a fast food restaurant to see that menu. I don't care if it's Burger King, McDonald's, uh, Culver's, A&W, Dairy Queen. You see all that stuff and you look at it and you're like, man, even the lettuce. You can't even see the whole lettuce, but it look good. You hungry for lettuce. You don't even like lettuce, but it's on the burger and it looks real juicy. So you want a burger like that. That's what you order. And they know you're going to order that burger like that. But then when they put it together, they wrap it up and slap it together and everything else, you know, by the time they're done and they give it to you, what you don't know is... They weren't the ones that put that burger that was on display together. They paid somebody to do that for presentation purposes. But it's not the same person that's wrapping your burger now. So when you get it, you got mush lettuce. You might have a whole lettuce on there. Everything just looked bunched together. And what happened to the bun? This is not the burger I ordered. It is. It just wasn't prepared the same way. Because they paid for that to be 
prepared that way specifically to draw attention and to entice you. Make it attractive. Amen? Man, I'm sitting, it's 7.42 and I'm sitting up here talking about lettuce. Let me move on in this thing and get something accomplished here. The more enticing the product, the more people will desire it. Many will somehow conclude that the product is necessary for them to possess. However, after having it in their possession, they may come to a different conclusion. The bottom line is appearances may not be everything, but they do matter because in most cases they offer an initial impression. So if the corporate society considers appearances to be important, how much more should we who represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? We can't talk, just talk about this great God that we serve and how mighty he is and how powerful he is and how he cares and concerns about the world and everything that's going on. And then we present ourselves as if, if we are a representation of God and we look raggedy, then we're giving a message without saying anything. Amen? Listen, if we are half-dressed, we are displaying ourselves in an ungodly manner. But what are people going to see? Well, I dress like that and I don't even live the lifestyle you live, so I must be okay. Amen? We all right with this? This is the church, right? The Bible talks about the value of, when I tell, my, I tell my girls this, but the Bible talks about the value of a wonderful, beautiful, godly woman. But when she's all exposed, she decreases her own value. And that's why the world treats them like they do. Can I, can I speak the truth? It's unfortunate, but that's what happens. You can't expect people to treat you better than what you're presenting yourself. Go to a job interview. Trying to get a white collar job. And you got nothing on but dungarees. Overalls. I'm not knocking overalls, but at the job interview for a white-collar job, we're sorry, but you're just not the one we're looking for. But old Billy down the street, he hired. You got young guys walking around in tank tops trying to show off their bones, I mean their muscles. Shirt ain't got no sleeves, you might as well not have it on, but you took effort to put that little raggedy thing on and now you walk outside. But guess what? To your buddies and to your friends, you might be cool. 
because they're in the same boat as you. People in the neighborhood, they don't mind because everybody living the same lifestyle you live in. But have on a shirt, a collared shirt, button-up shirt, and some slacks, some decent dress shoes, casual shoes, and you walk in the same environment. Guess what happens? There's a different reaction. We try to teach the young guys this. But for whatever reason, they think it's cool to wear baggy pants where you can see. I don't under, I've never understood that. I wore, I wore baggy jeans, but I never was into the sagging. How you come? Hey man, you forgot to pull your pants all the way up. And then why? Ladies and gentlemen, now I know I'm speaking to a mature group here because none of us dress this way, but I can't understand for the life of me, why would you buy a pair of tight jeans and still sag in them? What is that? Skinny jeans. So now, it wasn't enough to have spandex. We want to have jeans that look like spandex on males and females. But this is what we've come to. And oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just in the world anymore. That's what's sad about it. It is creeping into the church. And you know what the worst part about it is, ladies and gentlemen? Remember what I told you? You know, after a while we all in the military, you know, or whatever job, you can tell when somebody's out of uniform and what you'll do. In the church, God forbid... I just don't know how to tell tell her 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 bra strap is. I'll tell you how to, ma'am. Your bra strap is showing. I'm not gonna grab a mic and advertise it, but if I don't tell you, if we don't say nothing in the church, but you know why we're not saying anything in the church? Some of us, church folks, I'm talking about the church as a whole. Because some folks are okay with it. Because they wish they could do the same thing. That young lady that come in with a tight skirt. Some ladies will sit there and they'll, they'll make all kinds of remarks, but they won't say nothing to the young lady. And some of them is because if I had that figure, I'd be dressing the same way. that too much alright I got 10 minutes
So here's the deal. This is what comes out to me when I think about Christian soldiers in dress and appearance. And like I said, I can't get into everything that pastor has, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a wonderful treat as he continues to unfold this theme here. But conformity is the first thing. So conformity is defined as giving the same shape, outline, or contour to, to bring into harmony or accord. Same shape. Same outline. You know what that interprets to me? Conformity to me means a change of association. In order for me to conform to Christianity, I've got to change who I associate with. Because whoever I associate with, guess what? That's what I'm going to conform to. If I associate with homosexuals, ladies and gentlemen, you a Christian, I'm not saying this is not hate speech. But as a child of God, I cannot yoke up with you if that's the lifestyle that you live. I love you, but I can't yoke up with you. Because who I'm trying to be like opposes the lifestyle that you're living. So I cannot. I'm not a phobic. But I got to keep you at a, de- at a distance for my own salvation's sake. That makes sense? I got to change who I associate with. Yes. Listen, if you out there with a bunch of gang members, I promise you, I'm going to just cut this off. If I don't finish, I don't finish. But if you out there with a bunch of gang members and the cops roll by, law enforcement roll by, guess what? Guilty by association. Right? I have a cousin. He was gunned down in New York when I was younger. He wasn't a member of the gang, but he was with the gang members. Fortunately for them, he pushed them behind a the mailbox. They, they escaped, but he got gunned down and he was killed. Why? Association. So if the world understands that then we as Christians should understand that too right let's go to Romans chapter 12 verse 2 real quick y'all should know this one by heart right Paul tells us We're supposed to be giving God our reasonable service, right? He continues on saying in verse 2, And be not conformed to this world. What did Jesus say? You can't serve God and mammon at the same time. 
You can't love the world and love God at the same time. In fact, the scripture tells us later on that anyone that loves the world, the love of the Father... But why do we have the church folk still trying to conform? Why are we catering to the world? Do do you realize that there are a lot of churches where the world is, is dictating to them how they can be more effective as a church to reach the lost? So I'm blind in the world, but I can tell you how to reach me. But you already have the answer. And now I'm convincing you to turn from the answer you found that changed your life in efforts to. Telling you how to dress to be successful. You got folks that's coming in church telling preachers how to dress so they will appeal this is happening we don't like to believe that but since I'm talking to the church these are things that's happening in the church see I can't knock the world for being the world because that's who they are amen guess what y'all I'm, it's not my job to condemn the world me preaching against the world all day long that doesn't do any good The focus needs to be on the house of God. Amen? And God's people. Remember what Pastor said on Sunday? One of the part of the uh, fold is to encourage God's people, right? With the word of God. The word of God is nothing short of him giving us his expectations on what we can do to please him. Y'all with me? Romans 8 and 29. I'm trying to get through this because I only got a little bit of time. That's going to become my motto. Look at this. I'm going to, I'm going to read verse 28 real quick. And we know that all things work together for good. Wait. Because we like to stop at that point. All things work together for good. So I ain't got to worry about it, but there's more to it. Wait, what did you say? I said there's more to it. All things work together for good to them that... And if you love God, you can't love the world, right? To them who are the called according to my own purpose. What I want to do. What I think is necessary. Who are called according to... His purpose, watch this, for whom he did foreknow, he knew you before you knew yourself, he also did predestinate to do what? His intent from the beginning was for us to conform to the image of... And Jesus Christ is the epitome of who God is. So in essence, from day one, he already chose us. 
He knew us before we even came into existence. And his intent was for us to conform to his image. Guess what? In the last day, if we hold on and do what he's telling us to do, the Bible says we're going to do what? We're going to be changed. We're going to become like... We can't become like him if we haven't been living, striving to become like him in the first place. As we aim to conform to his image, guess what's going to happen? He's going to come back. He's going to know us. And he says, I'm going to perfect you. I already know who you are because I see you've been trying to conform to my image. Yup. That's the one out. Yep, my mark is on them. Yep, my mark is on them. Look at them. Woo! Nope, they don't have no sin. Look at that. Lives changed. Look at what they've been doing. They've been operating in my spirit. Yep, I see it all over them. Those are my children. Y'all ready to come home? I'm just paraphrasing, but that's... Right? Conform to the image of a son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let me move on. Y'all okay with this? Uniformity. Uniformity is the second thing. So conformity, then uniformity, not varying or changing, staying the same at all times, in all places, or for all parts or members. Dress of a distinctive design or fashion worn by members of a particular group and serving as a means of identification. Y'all heard that? Remember what I told you? We slept in our uniform. We ate in our uniform. That was the whole intent was to make sure that we all was looking the same. So nobody could revert back to being an individual. Being a Christian is not about the individual. I heard someone preach the message that once you receive the Holy Ghost, it's no longer about you. Let me tell you what Jesus said. This is how he put it. Any man come after me, he must do what? Deny Jesus never made it about himself, even though it was pointing to him. Jesus was always ministering to someone else. Ministering, not catering. Guess what? When God changes our lives, it's no longer about us. It's about and doing his work for others. There are people that God wants to touch and he wants to use us to do it. But if we got things in the way, such as how we appear, folks can't take us seriously when we say we're Christians, but then we look like the world. And oh, believe me, and I'm not just talking about the physical dress, attitudes, gossiping is a part of your appearance. Man, I can't even get into all of this, but God knows. Galatians chapter 3 verse 27. Can I, I, I just need two more minutes of your time. 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. I appreciate y'all's patience. Whew. Man. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many, what does it say? Right? For as many of you as been baptized into Christ, you have done what? Now, what people see should be what? He says, let your light so shine before men that they may do what? See your good works and do what? Why? Because they notice something different about you. Why? Because if you have put on or if you've been baptized in the Christ, that's what you wear. Amen? So it's no longer about your individual preference anymore. It doesn't matter if you were Chinese. It doesn't matter if you were from the Middle East. It doesn't matter if you were from Africa. It no longer matters what your ethnicity and your cultural background. Now you have put on Christ, so now you are part of a different group and organization. Known as the body of Christ. Amen? Man, I'm going to just have to uh, skip over some of this. Listen, modesty is a part of and we're not just talking about in your physical appearance yes that is important and like I said there's a whole lot that you can get out of that I'm sure pastor is going to talk about some of that 1 Timothy 2 and 9 talks about the women dressing in, appear, uh, in modest apparel why is that so hard for the world to grasp today because there's so much influence telling you to take more off and put the wrong stuff on we live in a generation now where it's okay. M- women know where makeup comes from and they still put cow poop all over their face to make themselves look better. That's where it comes from. I'm going to blend this on into my skin. so I'll... Painting the nails so they look like Christmas decorations. You got to do this to be beautiful, ladies. But as a woman of God, the Bible tells you, you don't need all those barrettes in your hair. Stop putting all that gold and stuff trimming your hair looking like drapes. Jesus, when he came, we're supposed to be aiming to be like Jesus, right? The Bible says he came meek and lonely. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Right? For I am meek and lowly. Right? He asked him at one point, what, what did you come to see? What was you looking for? Somebody to come in rich apparel? You looking for somebody with a crown? You don't understand. My kingdom is not of this world. I came here to do a mission. I came here to do a job. I'm going to get my reward. But I got a job to do here. And in order to do this job, I must submit. I must be humble. 
I must keep myself focused. It's not about me. That's the sign of humility. When you can come to the place when you, when you understand it's not about me. Submission. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 3. But we talk about submission. Submitting yourself ultimately to God. And he talks about, you know, how you submit, to, submit yourself to authority. Things like that. You know, you start talking about marriage. Start encouraging wives to submit to their husbands. You get a whole bunch of tomatoes thrown at you. But that's what the scripture says, right? Moving on. Unity is the third thing. So we talked about conformity. We talked about uniformity. And then we're talking about unity. And unity is defined as the state of being in full agreement. I'm sorry if I'm going too fast. I just don't want to keep you all no longer than what I already have. You all are generous. So I'm just trying to hurry up and wrap this up. State of, state of being in full agreement. Oneness is in the dictionary for the word unity. And you can, you can go back to the derivatives and, you know, tie that in. But to me, ultimately, that means a change of attitude. See, unity is not, uniformity is when we all look alike. But unity is when we have the same attitude. That's what they had on the day of Pentecost when they were all in the room on one accord. Unity. First Corinthians, I'm just skipping over some. So first Corinthians, and this is it. I thought y'all was gonna get out early tonight. I honestly did. First Corinthians chapter twelve. We're gonna read verse uh two verses here. Or um just just follow me. We start in the verse twelve. Everybody have it? Okay, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is not divided. There is no trinity. Moving on. For by one spirit are we all baptized into three bodies. One body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, African or American, and have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not made of one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am, I'm going to skip down here to verse 20. But now are they many members, this is how he ties it in, yet but one body. Unity. But what are we united in? Our personalities? Our preferences? Our opinions? It's the spirit that we are united in. See, this flesh, I can come up with a million opinions about something. I can tell you what my preferences are, but they may not align with yours. My flesh can cause me to revert back to individuality. I'm my own person. I do what pleases me. That becomes my attitude. So when those folks come and say, well, 
I don't see why people got to dress like that. I don't see why women got to dress like that. I don't see why men got to dress like that. I don't see why men got to dress Or all the other stuff that we come up with. At the end of the day, you know what it really boils down to? I have spoken to a lot of people. I'm going to close with this. I've spoken to a lot of people over the years. Men and women, mostly women. When it comes to modesty, when it comes to appearance. And let's face it. Women have a greater challenge when it comes to physical or or outward appearance. Christian women. Get ostracized, made fun of, so on and so forth for wearing skirts. I watch it sometimes. Me and my wife, we go to game, my son's games, or we go to places and, you know, you still see it. Grown people. They got something to say, negative to say. They laugh, they make fun. So it's challenging. I get it. But at the end of the day, and it's the same thing we teach our daughters. Don't do this just because we're forcing you to do this. There has to be a point in time where you make up in your mind you're doing this because you're submitting yourself to God. At the end of the day, my wife, me and my wife, we've said this many times. At the end of the day, I would rather... Hear God say, if it were possible, I would rather hear him say, you know what? You didn't have to go to that extent. But I'm glad you did. Watch this. You know what? I understand that you didn't agree with pastor. I understand that you didn't agree with the organization. Because they told you to do this. But because you were obedient, because you were submissive. I'm blessing you and I'm affording you an opportunity because you submitted yourself. Nine times out of ten, it's a matter of the heart. It's really what it comes down to. I've asked many people. People were in position being used. And because I addressed the outward, folks would tell me, well, I don't, you know, I'm just not convinced. I don't see it nowhere in the Bible. I don't see it, you know, verbatim in, in, in the scriptures. You know, one of, the, one of the things I always like to come out with, the Bible doesn't say verbatim, don't go to the clubs. The Bible doesn't say verbatim, don't do drugs. But as a Christian, and even the world knows, if you're doing drugs, that's not Christian-like. Does it have to say it verbatim when the principles are in there? History will tell you. Oh, I wish I had more time. History will tell you how this whole thing came about. The culture change. When women started wearing pants. And it will tell you why. Look at the reason why. But what happened when the men came back from war? There was a transition made because it was an attitude change. I got to wrap this up. I got to wrap this up. Pastor's going to do this more justice, I'm sure, when he comes back. But hopefully 
Hopefully you've gotten some out of this. I'm I'm not I'm really not fishing. I'm just I know there's more that Pastor has. I was looking over his lesson and I know there's more to come. But hopefully you've gotten something out of this. This was maybe a precursor or whatever you want to call it.